0: Hello and welcome to episode 162 of Three Beers in a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Barry Neil. And Barry, we are once again doing this via technology, but we're not doing it by Zoom. We've finally had enough of Zoom, it's still enough of our soul. We're just doing it by the phone. So the sound quality might be a little bit worse than it was last week, but we'll, we shall persevere. Yes. Yes.
1: It's only a matter of time before we're back in the raven again. Only I Only a matter so. of
0: time. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, where are you tonight?
1: Uh, currently sitting in Air Beach Car Park.
0: Which <laughs> makes you sound more and more like a dogger, to be honest, every day. You know, every day you, you, you keep telling me things... It
1: is getting to
0: that point, I'm going to be honest. Aye. time I ask you something, you're always doing something that makes you sound more and more like you are out-dogging. And it's beginning to get a bit of a worry. Because <laughs> you can only make up so many excuses that you're not doing that. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, try and keep you not, we'll try and not keep you in the air car park for too long. Um, I assume that you're in the air car Lines, park...
1: because even the seagull's eye-mail.
0: Yeah. Um, assuming because you're in an air car park, you're not drinking anything tonight. Would that <laughs> be correct?
1: Yeah, just a bottle of water for myself today.
0: Very good. As, as you're driving, we don't want to do that. So um, I we're doing this like, by the, the phone again because COVID continues. Lockdown to some degree is still going. But as of next week, cinema's reopening in Scotland properly. So that's all very exciting for us. Um, I am planning. Yes. To, I am planning to go on Wednesday. Are you making any arrangements to go and see a movie at the cinema? Or are you going to hold off for another week or so and see how it goes? I uh,
1: think I'm just going to hold off. I'm going to be brutally honest. I'm literally waiting for you to come back and tell us whether or not it's a good experience right. and a relaxing experience, okay. or if it's just a fucking headache.
0: I'm getting a sense you're thinking if Richard dies, I'm not going. We'll wait and see how he gets on. No, <laughs> no. Nah, nah, you know
1: I've been pretty. I've been you know, looking after myself and stressing that. It's just more, am I going to be relaxed and enjoying the movie or am I going to be sitting there like paranoid with people around me while wearing a mask and stuff? It's just, you know, it's about like going to the pub right now. It's like, Am I going to be relaxed and enjoy myself and enjoying the beer, or am I just going to feel like uh, these people are getting a bit too drunk and a bit too close kind of thing, you know?
0: I absolutely understand that. I'm much the same. When it comes to the pubs, I'm very much backing off. I don't really trust, my, don't really trust other people in the pubs. The cinema, yeah. I think there's a little bit more control in these places, so I, I'm a bit more hopeful that it will be... A, you know, a much more mm. controlled environment, and it wouldn't have quite as many sort of variables that would that would put me off it. And hopefully, I can relax yeah. in it because much like yourself, I go to cinema to relax. I enjoy it. I enjoy the, the experience of it. So if I'm in here, I'm minute it, and I can't relax, that will certainly put me off for going to see anything else over the next, you know, six yeah, yeah. months or so as, as this continues to roll on. But hopefully, next week we're talking about cinema stuff, um, and we'll we'll get to that later on. But we'll move very quickly into the movies. Um, to try and get through these nice and quickly, so so you can get back to your what have you? Getting back to <laughs> um, <and> We shall <laughs> um, we shall start with one that is showing on. I believe it is on Amazon Prime. Uh, it was out in the cinema last year, I think, just towards the tail end of last year. Uh, it's a film called Countdown, uh, which is a horror movie directed by Justin Deck, whose only other directing credit was Pixar Boats. If you know the Pixar Cars. Movies, uh-huh. he directed sort of this, the, the the very, very child friendly spin off called Pixar Boats. Um, from, never even heard of it, no. Um, <laughs> but that was not to say it was much, it's very different from what you put this film is. I would, I would say, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, so the countdown is basically about it's millennials, they all get an app on their phone. If you download it, it will tell you how long you've got to go until you die, it'll tell you down to the very second. And what happens is people do generally start dying off. At the moment, it says the second they're going to die. But if you try and trick the app in any way, rather than just dying a natural death, and I'm assuming going to heaven or hell, or, or hopefully heaven. Um, if you try and trick the app in any way, essentially Satan gets your soul, or a demon gets your soul. That that would be correct, Jess? That's a fair trade. It's a fair trade, yeah. Um, so as I said, essentially a sort of final destination for the the new generation, for the for the millennial app phone mm. generation. Um, in the film, a lot of people you will not, you don't know, but you might have seen in a few things elsewhere. Uh, Elizabeth Lale, she was in You, and she's in Once Upon a Time. Uh, you've got Jordan Calloway, who's in Riverdale. Uh, Peter Fincinelli, he is in Twilight. Uh, P.G. Byrne, he plays a priest in it. He is in something, but I can't think what it is. And Talia ewena um is in a lot of TV stuff as well. She pops up in it as the young girl's sister. Um you're not a fan of horror, Barry, we know this. I apologise for making you watch a horror film, but <laughs> pickings are slim right now. What do you think of yes. this one?
1: I'm not going to lie. Last week, I think, if you go back and listen to it, I had my deep concerns about this movie.
0: You had but in
1: all it. Hon- yeah, in all honesty, this actually surprised me the most, I think. All right. It was a... Uh, yeah, I actually I quite enjoyed it. You quite dug it, um, yeah. The only thing I kind of wish for is... That the deaths were maybe a bit more like Final Destination, not as kind of calamity, but certainly a bit more uh, imaginative rather than just like falling down a set of stairs or whatever.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, it does go a little bit PG twelve. It doesn't really try and do anything sort of out the the ordinary. It's very, it is very sort of mundaneness when it when it comes to all the. Yeah. Apart from the one guy you can hit by a, a car, that looked, that looked quite brutal.
1: Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> that did actually. But it's, um... But no, I, I was actually very pleasantly surprised because I was deeply... I was concerned going into it. And the fact <laughs> that it was only 90 minutes long as well, it did actually gallop through and didn't really hang about. Yes. Setting the premise and getting down to business, which is always good for the horror movie, I feel.
0: I do not disagree. That that was the one thing I did quite enjoy about it. that it, it, it gallops along at pace. Um... It didn't have any real surprise in it for a horror film. It had all the usual tropes. There was nothing really particularly done differently. Um, mm. um, it was pretty sanitised, I But with what you're saying. There was no real gore in it, um, which means I don't, no. think, I don't think it's going to appeal to the horror fan. It does seem very much in that teen sort of Friday night audience, you know. You can go and see a film and then, you know, then you can go over like, like dinner with your, to McDonald's where you're... Your 17-year-old girlfriend type thing, it does seem very much mm-hmm. in that guy, it, really, it doesn't really seem like something going to really appeal to the hardcore horror fans. Um, no, no, um, this is
1: definitely like your first horror movie, or at least first exposure to the genre at least, yes. Uh, you know, def- what is it, is it like a 15 or something, it's I definitely, think, definitely
0: I think it's a 12, dude, what? I, think, I think a 12.
1: Ah, okay cool. I was gonna say if it's a fifteen it definitely doesn't need to be a
0: fifteen No, there's there's nothing there's no goal, there's no bad language in it, there's really no any any sort of sexual With well, one kind of sexual connotation seen yeah. in it I suppose, but there's nothing really too major in it. Um I thought all the performances were pretty nondescript, no one really convinced me of being anything great. Um the guy playing The Priest I thought was definitely playing a different film. It seemed like he <laughs> thought he- <laughs> In his mind it was sort of like a, a spoof parody comedy of a horror film the way he was playing it. It felt like dude you're you're in c you're in a completely wrong film right now. Um, I don't even
1: think he got the same scratch. No, it does you know?
0: seem like yeah he has he, been giving us sort of the joke script I'm like, holy shit like does someone did it not go like, mate, just tone it down, like just really bring it back. Um but you get him and you get a guy who works in like the not the Apple store but sort of like the tech store. Yeah,
1: Tom Segura.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, he also seems like he's a completely in a different film as well.
1: The problem is he's like a stand up comedian, so exactly. to see him Have pop you up and I was even I was a bit like now I'm a big Tom Segura fan and I didn't actually know he was in this, but to see him popping up and then for him to be playing a kind of more kind of satire kinda of, he, he was almost like him and the piece were like they were the kind of like comedy buffer through all of this yes. to try and kind of lighten it up a wee bit. Oh. But you're just like wrong movies, guys. Like, you just don't belong in this. You Aye.
0: know the priest. the guy playing the priest, T- uh, PJ Byrne. I think he could have been in a different kind of a different film and it might have worked. But it just felt very tonally out of place. And mm. the guy who was the name of the comedian. Sorry, what's his name again? Tom Segura. Hey, Tom Segura. Segura. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It wasn't particularly funny. He was sort of just kind of an asshole, and not in a, not even in like an entertaining, or oh, you're really cool kind of asshole. Just yeah, he, yeah. he just seemed like a dick. Um, yeah. And has just mean that generally unhelpful tech guy. Hi, that's all. it Was it was unhelpful tech guy who seemed to have for some reason an entire sort of like arc story that you're going like this made, This this, bears, this this absolutely bears no interest to in the actual story itself. You feel the need to put it in probably because. I do not really understand why he was in it, but then I'm realising if you're telling me that he's a comedian who's obviously well-known in some to, to some degree, then they had to give him yeah. like, a little bit more of an art than just random tech guy, you know? So that, that felt a bit of an yeah. like odd um, inclusion I in don't the know, film. I, I
1: don't know if he's maybe pals, but really, maybe the director or something. Possibly. There must, be, there must be some sort of connection because it doesn't... It doesn't really seem like something he would even do, Aye. even if he got the script, you know?
0: Aye. It's very, it does seem a very odd piece of um, casting in it, if, if that indeed was a comedy. If it like a comedian. Oh. Um, the film itself also, the end, the sequel baiting at the end just felt very unnecessary, but it is a horror film made on a oh. low budget, so that's what these kind of things do. They go oh. for a sequel. Um, I don't think it deserves a sequel. I don't think it actually has earned in any way a sequel, and I don't really have any interest in no. watching any sort of sequel it does. Um, I found as particularly just sort of, like, very cookie-cutter horror, didn't really excite yeah. me in any way, just sort of very much by the numbers, nothing really stood out for me. Um, I would give yeah. it a very average 5 out of 10. What about yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just about to say the exact same. I was going to give it 5 out of 10 as well. Very much that, like, you know, you're, you know, I do not like horror movies, and I comfortably sat through this, no problem at all. So, you know, it must be pretty tame, Yeah, you
0: know? I mean... You giving a horror movie five out of ten is almost like me giving a horror movie ten out of ten, you know, because it's the fact you managed to get yourself through it. It's sort of, yeah. it, it's almost like that's not bad. So I feel
1: the like... only the only the only thing I would, if they were to get a, a sequel, as long as they promised they would certainly ramp up the death the way people die, to be a bit more like Final Destination, then I could happily warrant a Countdown Two Point Oh.
0: Aye. You know, I agreed. You've got to kind of commit to that. And if you. Uh, um, like, Final Destination commits to the death scenes and stuff, and that. And there's some great death scenes in Final Destination. Um, and there's some really great set pieces in that film. This one didn't have the budget to do the set pieces, but it wasn't even particularly imaginative. Um, the film on Netflix called The Babysitter, I don't know if we talked about it or if me and Colin talked about it, like maybe about a year ago, but it was an actually really intricate. It was sort of, again, it's very similar set up, very. You know, very generic setup, but it was inventive. Mm. Inventive of what it did with its, um, you know, its deaths and its sort of it, its the way the way it approaches the, the genre, which made it at least interesting to watch. You can still tell what a lot of things were going to happen. You can still tell, you know, a lot of the, the twists and turns of of, the, of your generic horror film, but at least be interesting when you do it. And this this one lacked even any sort of real general interest. I would say. Aye, aye, definitely. Exactly. Um, so yeah, five out of ten from both of us. So probably not not one to. To jump into, um, I'll talk very quickly about one that you've not seen, which is called, which is a man who killed Don Quixote, directed by Terry Gilliam, um, who directed Twelve Monkeys, Zero Theorem, Funeral in Las Vegas, The Fisher King. He's also one of the Pythons. Terry Gilliam, everyone knows who Terry Gilliam is. Um, the plot of this film is basically um, it's a director trying to film the Don Quixote novel, the the man from La Mancha, um, while there he encounters. A shouldn't film that he made in the, past, in the past, which sort of leads to sort of very odd time sort of warping, and where he might end up sort of in the actual novel itself and, and sort of reality and the the novel start to sort of merge and uh, become one. And essentially, it's this director having a sort of meltdown while trying to make this film. I'm thinking it's sort of semi biographical because Terry Gilliam had tried to make. The man who killed Don Quixote for about thirty years constantly had had Whoa. problems not to make it. There's a great documentary called Lost in La Mancha when him when you go into the, you get into the sort of I think it's, I think it's Moroccan or no, Spanish place to somewhere in Spain to make it. Um, yeah. Within three days they've been flooded out. They have had a plaque, um, like a uh, infestation of locusts, I think it was as well, and the. Spanish Air Force are like carpet bombing, literally, like about 50 feet from where they're filming. So that just ruins all the sound they're trying to record. Um, And this, after that, the main actor who was playing um, Don Quixote had spent like nine months learning English so he could be in the film. Then he threw his back out as well. So I think basically, the whole film gets shut down after three days. And he's been trying to like re enkindle it for years and years and years. Every now and again, it sort of rolls around that uh, Terry Gillingham wants to make and um, now again it, it sort of it reconnects that it, Terry Gillen wants to make a, a Don Quixote movie um, and you and you always can assume it's never going to happen um, and this, I was more amazed I just wanted to watch it because it, it meant he actually got it made so I was really excited to see what he'd actually made um, because you know just, just to see the guy finally get his dream come true by making this this, this damn thing um, I understand because I've tried to read Don Quixote on about five or six separate occasions, and every single time it's defeated me. Um, I've thrown a copy of Don Quixote out the window of a train at one point because it was so fucking infuriating me. Um, I have just, I've abandoned copies in, in random places. I have thrown copies in the bin because I, I, I think, I get it's a great book, but I just this fucking book just defeats me every time I try and read it. It's very few books that I, I would say defeat me all the time but this is the one book that really does absolutely just flummox me at every opportunity to try and read it. it. Um, So if you're ever on the train between uh, Winning and Irvin, you may see a a copy of Don Quixote lying on the side of the track because I I threw it out the window in a a fit of anger and disgust. Much to the annoyance, much to the query of everyone else on the train who had absolutely no idea why I did such a thing, Um, and it was kind of hard to explain.
1: You probably look like a mental case oh, I mean, I, dude,
0: on the train. I look like an absolute crazy person, I have no doubt I did, but <laughs> but, I, but I stand by my, my decision to throw that fucking thing out the window. <laughs> Anyways, I've, bought it, I've now bought it like six times and I, st- and I still can't read it, finish this damn thing. So every year I make the, um, the New Year's resolution to learn the guitar and read Don Quixote. Um, I have failed on both of those accounts for the past you know 30-odd years. So maybe this year I will finally read Don Quixote, but I, I would not count upon it. Uh, so... There is a sort of a definite sense of, um, uh, you know, it, it, maybe that's why it's so difficult to film because it is so long, you know, it's, 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 it's such a long, old, uh, long uh, such an old book. So he does, Brian, bring it into a sort of more contemporary mm-hmm. setting, which I think worked really well. Um, visually, very fun, a um, little off kilter, very Python esque, which you'd expect from. Terry Gilliam, you know, he's one who done a lot. He's one sort of inspired a lot of the Monty Python um, animations. You know, he was sort of very much involved <laughs> with those. So you get that sense uh-huh. of 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 the Python coming through it. Um, Cast are all very strong. Adam Driver, I've not seen be better than this. he is. He's given a performance like he's not subtle at all. He's he's he fully going for it. Um, nice. Um, and they're all very much larger than life as well. I, I, I generally I thought it was a nice, well-done film. I enjoyed it for, for the most part. Um, it's not perfect many any stretch. Uh, it, it does get very weird and a bit sort of mixed up with its timelines and stuff at times, which which will infuriate some people. And even and when I was watching it, even I found my attention drifting. When it drifted when I drifted back to it, I wasn't entirely sure if I was watching reality or, or, or something that was not real. So it, there was that sense. But, as I said, labour of love for Gilliam, when I it for more than 30 years, he needed just about manages to make it, I make it a worthwhile. Um, over the over the you know thirty years to make it, it's worth a watch. Um, I can't really say anything bad about it, other than the fact it is a little bit, you know, it's kind of a bit mixed up with itself a little bit. It does get a lot in the middle act. You do find yourself your attention span waning on it, but for the most part, okay. it's, it's a very enjoyable indie kind of off kilter movie. Which if you're watching a Terry Gilliam film, <clears throat> you should be expecting something to be, something to be very off kilter. And um, you shouldn't be expecting you know your linear. A linear story, you're definitely waiting for something you know to be a bit a little bit weird and a little bit out of the ordinary, which it, it certainly is. But I, I, for the most part, enjoyed it and um, would give it a solid um, 7 out of 10. But I would say the film is definitely not for everyone. It, it's, it, it, if you're not into the Terry Gilliam weirdness, that you get into things like Fear and Loathing and Zero Theorem and The Fisher King and 12 Monkeys. This film probably yeah. is it's, it's not gonna be for you, it's definitely very much one of his over. Um, but yeah it's on Sky Movies if you're looking for it I, I, I think it's worth your time but uh, maybe if you're a fan of, of what Terry Gillingham does
1: yep, yep. well um, does it doesn't sound the worst
0: movie ever so no 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 like, I, I, I generally by the time I was watching it relative, I, I pretty much enjoyed it but I can see there are faults to it and like I said the second act did have me a little bit kind of I was I was losing a little bit of interest in it and kind of drifting in and out of it a little bit which may be the problem of yeah. watching a film like this at home you, get, you can get distracted a little bit more easily, um, whereas if you're in the cinema, a lot more concentration on it. Uh, but yeah, yeah but 7 out of 10, I, I enjoyed it, it's, and it's my favourite film I've watched this week, which I've not watched that yep. many this week, but at, at least that's something. And from yeah. that, we go on to our last film of this week, which is the Netflix original, um, the expensive Netflix original, called Project Power, directed by Henry Just and Ariel Showman who directed a film called v- uh, Viral and a film called Nerve. I don't know if you saw the one, Nerve. Uh, but the people yeah, saw, I did. Yeah, and also Paranormal Activity 4. You know, the... I'm going to say the good one or the bad one is Paranormal Activity 4. It is one of the Paranormal Activities. So the plot of this film is set, kind of contemporary, maybe set a little bit in the future, but um, essentially it's a world where people can take a pill and it gives you superpowers for five minutes. Um... Uh, but you don't know what your mutation is going to be until you take the pill. Yes. Um, you've got a cop who's investigating where these pills are coming from, but he's using the pills in order to gain gain powers so that he can fight against these people because he thinks, well, if the criminals have got these powers, we should have them as well. You've also got a guy trying to investigate, he's trying to locate his daughter by, by, by the film. I've also got a young drug dealer who's been dealing in these pills and she's trying to sort of. She's been tagged along for the ride and she's and she's trying to. Um, understand what's happening and trying to maybe break free of that life as well. Um, and I found you got Joseph Gordon-Levitt who we talked about a couple of weeks ago when he'd done the um, the Flight 7500 what it's called, the one about the the terrorist hijacking. Um, oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, You've also got Jamie Fox in it, Dominic Fishback who plays a young girl and Courtney B. Vance plays the sort of chief of the police department. Um, who's who's very in it very briefly. But yes, Courtney B. Vance, I like him, so I'm going to mention him right now. Um, Nice. I'll start on this one. I enjoyed this for the fact that it was an original superhero concept, so it wasn't... This is is not based on a comic book or any sort of existing IP. This is someone just... uh, Ah. This this is the idea. And it's actually quite rare to find a superhero movie that's not based on something else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, You had Hancock, maybe about 20 years ago, with Will Smith. You had Brightburn a few years ago, um, maybe last year, I think yep. that was, that is one, but other than that, there's, there's actually very few films that have, that have a sort of, a comic book superhero premise, that are not actually based on, you know, comic books. books, so that was quite interesting, um, I enjoyed the opening of it, the, like the set pieces, um, I liked the scene, when the, the, the camouflage um, chase, mm. I enjoyed that, but the film, I think the film, I think the film, Dramatically loses pace the longer it goes. It seems to yes. draw. It seems to, it starts off strong and then just sort of just runs out of steam the longer it goes.
1: Yes, one hundred percent agree on that one. Uh, I I pretty felt the same watching it. uh I liked all the nice step pieces and stuff, and then yeah, as the Castoria cat kind of came on it, was, I don't know. I just it seemed like it was almost kind of flying the kind of storyline as it kind of, made, it kind of made it up as it was going along almost a lot of it, didn't it really? In my mind, didn't seem to fit what had came before it. Like, the whole thing with, um, like, being on the ship and all that, that just, to me, just felt like that was them blowing money because they had it.
0: Aye. It, it was also odd. You had three actors in it, uh, Gordon Levitt, Jamie Fox, and Dominic Fishback, and they realised every now and again, oh, shit, we've got three actors. we better put them all together at some point. So they had to sort of bend over backwards and sort of twist and turn and all to get up to somehow exist in the same scene, because mm. they could easily played this film out without them without those three ever meeting,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, it, and they could have done as three separate storylines essentially. Yeah, you know, so yeah. that felt very odd you've got these three as of it, but you never really had a point to them actually being together at any point, and everything felt a bit sort of convoluted. Um, I liked it, I thought I thought it was quite visually interesting, much like Nerve. Nerve is a really visually quite appealing film. It's a lot of, sort of weird stuff going on in it and, and a lot of neon colour and um mm. so and, and so I very much I kinda of felt futuristic but not being futuristic, not set in the future. Um the thing I would complain about biggest was they could have done so much more stuff for the powers. Like the powers were so yes. they're so dull. You had people going in fire, ice, super strong and kind of a, like a monster type thing, isn't it? Someone could have like sort of a Mister Jekyll type creature. That was yes. so like, yeah. yeah, it was so dull. Like could have done something, you know. We've seen all that shit before, and like you know, be a bit more interested with what the, the powers can give you. Mm, I don't,
1: uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think they were trying to tie it in with like the cat, the animal kingdom, and all that. I remember them saying that. See when the guys like uh, selling the drugs yes. and that. In that room, he was going on about the animal kingdom of then. So, I don't know if that was maybe what they were more angling towards rather than your just straight out kind of like superhero kind of powers. No, but I th-
0: yeah, I think you're 100% right. Do I think that's exactly what they're doing for because they, they talk about the, you know, the animal that sort of is it the frog that busts its own bones through its skin to make like claws and stuff like that. They were sort of they talk about that one, yeah, don't yeah. Me, At one point, so no, you're, you're, you're totally right about that. But I just felt this it was a chance with like the idea of the powers coming in, It's you like, let's do something interesting, you know, make, make them you know, have someone who can shoot lasers out their eyes or something. You know, something, you know, don't just go for the whole, you know, fire, ice, strong. Yeah. That felt a bit boring to me. Um, cast are all good, cause they're all good actors, the cast. Um, I like them all individually. But they didn't really have much to work with for a lot of this film, and they didn't feel like they'd done much together, and that was a bit of a shame to me. They, I really would like to see more of them together. Like, I don't even remember a scene of interest that Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gunn-Levitt had together.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, aye. Apart from like they can kind of almost like the tail end when the two of them were running about the ship together. But even then, that was only for like a couple of minutes before aye. like they met
0: up with the other two. And there's, they're all just running about. There's no like sort of like like sort of acting moment them together when you feel yes. like you know there's, yeah, no, there's, yeah, no, there's yeah. no there's no there's no sort of deep moment where you like oh that's why they're two and then look at them look at them doing their you know look at them doing their thing together. It was all just like they've been together for like five minutes and they spent four of those minutes running about. Aye. You know, uh, yeah, true. That, true. Felt, that felt a bit of a waste to put those two actors in that situation and not use them properly. Um they it, it, like said it's it's not a bad film, just it's just it felt like it was a lot of good ideas not fully realised. But I'm I'm saying mm-hmm. what, what, what do you think of it?
1: I I quite liked it. Uh you did kinda of answer one of my first questions to you was was this a comic book beforehand? Mm-hmm. But no, it's just an original. Uh I actually quite enjoyed it. It was nice to see you got one of my favourite YouTubers stroke ex-Youtubers because they barely ever uploads he appeared on it Casey Neistat that was quite nice to see who was he? Uh, he was the fella that uh, Jamie Foxx stole the keys off of right. as, he, as Casey was crossing the road with his woman to go into the club
0: gotcha this is what's nuts to me Like, there's a whole world that I have no clue like you say you recognise this guy you recognise the comedian as well it's Like, I feel so out of touch there's like a whole fame world I have Ew. absolutely no idea about. It's it's been it's make me feel very old and me, and you're the same age. You're very much you're much yeah. more plugged into the the, the the online world than I am.
1: I think it's just I spend far too much time on YouTube. That's <laughs> also a possibility <laughs> uh, yes. But he his his brother was also in this movie. He right. was one of the guys who was in the house for the, the girl's mum. And then Joseph came out of the toilet right, and started God. pretending that he lived there. Yes. Uh, so that was Casey's brother, was the guy who was standing on the left hand side, I think it was. Alright. Uh, who, who is actually a serious actor. Okay. But Casey was also in nerve as well, but right. he was only in it for like a brief like second. So,
0: so, he, so he must be I, he must be friends with um... Correct. Maybe all oh, and Nerve and Nerve is all about sort of like social media and stuff like that, isn't it? So mm. maybe that's why they t- maybe they tapped up some of the the kind of YouTube generation to try and add a bit of Aye, authenticity, authenticity to it. Um, I think
1: that's what I think that's almost kind of like what he's there for is to kind of drum up a bit of free advertising because he is still, even though he doesn't post really very much anymore, he is still one of the biggest YouTubers on the platform.
0: Right. Um, but the film itself, would you would would you watch it again, or would you think one time watch?
1: Um, probably a one time watch, unless I know they're bringing out a sequel. Then I would probably go back and watch watch it to kind of familiarise myself with the car, kind of, the universe again.
0: I think that there is there is potential here to, for a for a, for yeah. a sequel, and you can feel like it's a world you could be quite interested in watching. Um, yeah, yeah. I quite like the fact they use New Orleans, but they don't. It's not a showy New Orleans film. A lot of New Orleans films just kinda of show the French Quarter and try and like make yes. like, it a bit touristy. It felt this was sort of like a wee bit more of like a, a kind of darker side of New of New Orleans. It was sort of it was mm. it didn't feel it didn't feel glamorized or romantic. It felt a bit more kind of a bit more seedy, which I thought was a, a, um, a kind of nice a, a bit a, a more interesting way of approaching it. It's like when you're watching a film about New York yeah. and the first shots of the Statue of Liberty, like and then of the Brooklyn Bridge, you go. We've seen this a thousand times. You know, give us something different. Yeah. You know, you do a film in London. You first thing you film is a London Bridge. You know, or the Tower Bridge. Sorry. Yeah. You know, you let's yeah, yeah. get away from those tropes. Um, but I would, I, I would, I would struggle to rewatch this. towards, I, I really didn't find mm-hmm. it that engaging. Opening, like I said, I thought was good, but it really did. As soon as it, it just, as soon as it, the longer it got, the less interest I had. It just felt really tailed off and tailed off. And when time it got to the yeah. end. I just was like, Yeah, oh, just finish this damn thing. I just don't really have any. Yeah. Real joy to it, um, but I like the the premise was really in, interesting. Just wish it had been executed slightly better.
1: Yeah, there's yeah, there's there's definitely something there to be picked up and maybe done in a slightly different way. Maybe expand the universe. Maybe even like you say can inject a bit more kind of different kind of powers, Almost, <laughs> almost to a certain degree, like kind of like almost like some of the X-Men characters, yeah. like uh, controlling Mother Nature in a way, like yeah. that kind of stuff. Like, there's a bit of scope in there for something. To
0: do something else, definitely. Because yeah, that's, yeah. that's a really good X-Men comic. I can't remember what it was, but they're talking about, you know, like one in, well, I don't know, it's one in like 300 people have the X mutation in them. And all we hear about is the ones with like the flashy ones, like, you know, like that, um, they can make fire and ice and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But there's also ones where the mutation turns them into like a giant worm or it turns them into, or, you know, it gives them thorns all over their body, and there's nothing they can do about it, you know, stuff, you know, not every mutation is a, is a cool, flashy one, you know, sometimes yeah, the mutation is yeah. really fucked up, and I felt that's what they, I mean, they did do a little bit with the idea, like, one in, one in 50 people take the drug and their heart explodes straight at their chest, so they do play on it a little yeah. bit, but not, yeah, yeah. but not enough to make it, to, to sort of really sell that to me. Um, out mm. of 10, what would what, you give it?
1: I'm going
0: to give it a, a solid seven and a half because, like I said, there's definitely something in there, you know? Um, I'm down on it than you. I would say I, I give it a, a very, I think, I think I'm being generous, a six out of ten, and that's only because I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Jimmy Fox. Mm. Yeah. Um. So it's on Netflix, you're looking for it. I think it's done big business on Netflix, people watching it, so I'm sure if anyone's got Netflix, they'll probably end up watching it because it seems like you watch the new releases on Netflix just because you're so busy, you're so bother scrolling through to find something to watch, mm. that any new release is like, oh, it's new, I'm going to watch it. You know, so I feel like we'll... I'm so... did... oh, sorry, man. No, you go ahead.
1: Yeah, uh, I was going to say, like, they're definitely pushing this movie, I don't know if that's just because the people that are in it and obviously whatever budget's been spent on this movie, eh, uh, so, but, it's definitely, I've seen it on the banner and then also seen that it was like number one trend uh, for
0: like the UK, so. Aye, they're, they're, they're de- when it comes to new releases, definitely push them because I don't know how, the, I, I still don't know how Netflix makes money. I know it's people are t- giving subscriptions no. and all that kind of stuff, but it's spending like 150, 200 million bucks in a movie. I don't think, mm. I don't see anyone's, like people signed up for Disney because of certain things on Disney. I don't see anyone yes. going, I don't see people going, oh, I'm going to sign up for Netflix because of Project Power. I just don't see it happening.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I'm a little bit with you. I'm, I'm, I have no idea how they make money. Yeah. Like because I don't know how, how much. is it? Like six, seven pound or something. Mm. So it, it's like even at that, it's like the amount of people that have subscribed uh, like memberships to it. But then you've got to think about the amount of people that happily give out that. Uh, email and uh, the password one. Yeah. To, to like other people, so it's like like there's no adverts, there's nothing, right. and obviously like even the new releases, they don't have a long shelf life before they're they buried in the archive of Netflix.
0: Exactly, it's it's a very odd business model. It's it's the um, Tesla business model of like always lose money, but somehow always been making money from other people. It's, it's a very it's a very odd business model. But anyway, Project Power it's on Netflix. I give it six and a half, six out of ten. You give it seven and a half. So we're saying it's, you're saying it's more watchable. Than I think. Um, yeah. But that's that's us for this week. Next week we have hopefully all things going well. I will be watching Tenant in the cinema, which I'm very excited to do. Um, and also next week we'll be talking about American Factory, which is a Netflix documentary that won the Best Picture at the last year's Oscars, somehow beaten. For summer which I'm very surprised myself to beat, you know, after watching For summer uh, I'm I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of intrigued to see what this film is. And um, also on Amazon, we've got a documentary called Kaiser, the greatest footballer never to play football, about a guy in the 80s and 90s who basically just moved from club to club because he had a great agent and some friends who filmed video of him playing football, but he was shit. But he made loads of money. <laughs> so so I'm looking at him as, as a, a figure that I can get behind and hopefully I can live my football dream at some point by being the guy the <laughs> club to club um, and not get found out that I'm actually shit. Um, and, <laughs> uh, and also next week um, we'll be discussing... It's on uh, Apple Plus right now. It's a new television comedy from the guy who brought you scrubs. It's called Ted Lasso, uh, which is all yeah. about... Um, an American football coach who gets brought in to coach a yeah. Premier League football team. Um, I watched the yes. first two today, um, so we'll be talking. I think by the time we get to recording it next week, there'll be four episodes up. Um, so intrigued to see how how that one goes. Um,
1: I've heard very good things about this show already, and I haven't even watched it yet. Yeah. So
0: yeah, um, I'll, I'll let you know how it is. Um, nice. But yeah, that's our first week. Barry, what do you find us?
1: Uh, all the usual social media haunts at Three Beers in a Movie, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the
0: cool places. That's great. I've been Richard, you've been Barry, and you've been listening to Three
1: Beers in a Movie.